Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Um, we are getting ready to start a new series that will hopefully take us through the rest of summer, provided I'm slow enough. So it'll probably take us through the rest of summer. You like how I do that? I try to plan out a, a series that I don't have to rush through, but rather a series that I can kind of take my time through. We're actually going to be studying through the Beatitudes. Uh, and I got this neat little sermon graphic. I don't know if you got that, Nancy, because I want you to see how we spelled this out. You know, I like little things. I like subtle things. And, and there you go. It's the, the Beatitudes or maybe the B-attitudes. Because when you typically spell beatitude, it's only got one two or one T in it. But the attitudes that we actually have, have two T's. These beatitudes, what we're going to do is look through these. And these are things that Jesus was talking about. And he was trying to tell us. And really what he was trying to get us to do was kind of to enter into some of the blessings that we truly have. Because what I, what I truly believe about not just the body of Christ in general, not just my own self, but each and every one of you, I believe that we don't know how truly blessed we are. And to go through these, I think it's really going to help to open up our eyes, to give us some insight into what it was that Jesus was, Jesus was saying and how we can kind of enter into a happier life. I mean, that's, that's really what he's trying to get us to. Like, even the, the very word blessed for all of these is, uh, it's funny because every time I think about this word, it's the, the Greek word makarios, and I always think about makarena, and that's how I kind of remember it, and then it's even funnier because I can't do the macarena without putting a smile on my face, and I can't have macarios in my life without additionally having a smile on my face, because what that means, that, that word, it, it's not just like other blessed. It's, it's not just other times you see in scripture where it's talking about blessings that we have. That's not the same thing that Jesus is saying in this sermon that he gives us, in these beatitudes. When he's saying blessed, this is a, like an extreme form of blessing. It's, it's got this, this connotation to it that it's a long and lasting duration that we have. This word, it suggests that we are happy and extremely blessed. And it's one of those conditions in our lives that we want congratulations. It's like you think about a celebration. Everybody's hooting, everybody's hollering, everybody's having a good time. That's how blessed you are. That's how blessed I am. That's how blessed we are supposed to be. However, to be blessed, it means that we're to be happy. And uh, happiness is, is this like elusive state of, of true happiness. Like if I were to just run up to you randomly and ask you, hey, are you happy? You're going to pause. You're going to hesitate for a moment. You're going to think about your condition, your current state. Am I, am I really happy? And then you'll start to justify that you are happy and you may even be completely honest and say, well, I'm happy enough. And there are moments in our lives that yes, we've definitely experienced happiness, but an overall sense of happiness to say that our lives are happy lives. 
I, to say that your life is a happy life, then you, you would have to think, well, there's not sadness in it, right? There's not discouragement. There's not pain. There's not frustrations. I mean, do you have any of those with happiness? Like, if you're happy, are you frustrated? <laughs> if, you're, if you're happy, are you in pain? Oh, I broke my leg. I'm happy about that. See, this is the thing that the happiness, what does it mean for us to be happy? How are we truly happy? How am I happy? I mean, when I, when I think about this happiness, and, and I've heard all of these great quotes that are out there, and oh, yes, they sound cute. I was watching one of my vloggers the other day, Casey Neistat, and it was one of his old vlogs, and he was talking about happiness because he was sending his son off to college, and you know, this is a big milestone in his life, and it was like, there's something I'm experiencing, there's happiness, but there's sadness, and, and I'm, I'm experiencing both of these, and I'm not quite sure what's going on here, and, and he uses this quote, and I can't remember who he attributed it to, but he said that happiness is a journey, not a destination. I thought, man, that sounds really cool. But it also sounds unbiblical. Like it doesn't sound right. At least it doesn't sound completely right. Because if I were to venture to try to sum it up from a biblical approach, happiness is a journey and a destination. I mean, think about where my eternity is going to land and where your eternity is hopefully going to land. Heaven, the, the destination, that should be a happy place. But at the same time, in this life, if we're walking with Jesus, that should be a happy place. So it's, it's both the journey and it's both the destination, but yet... We, as a people, we don't really experience that happiness the way that God has wanted us to experience the happiness. And this isn't a new thing. We've been going through this for years and years and years. I mean, I can go back to the 60s and, and the turtles were trying to talk about happiness, saying, hey, we'll be happy together. We're so happy together. It's like they were trying to find happiness in their community. And, you know, you fast forward a couple decades and all of a sudden you've got, uh, what is it, Bobby McFerrin. And he's like, hey, don't worry. Be happy. So hold on. Wait. Now all of a sudden it was like the turtles were talking about happiness and being like in community. But now Bobby McFerrin is talking about happiness is, is this mindset. You just choose not to worry, but to be happy. And then we fast forward a couple more decades and now we've got Pharrell Williams that is telling us that we just need to clap if we're happy. Just clap along. If you feel like a room without a roof, what, what does that mean? And it's because we're apparently happy. See, we keep talking about happiness. We keep trying to experience happiness. But at the same time, if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves... There are so many times we're not happy. We're not happy. We are not a happy people. And I'm not talking about the unbelieving world. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us. We're not happy. 
We're not happy. We're not happy because others keep letting us down. It's like in the church, we're, we're told that, you know, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to encourage one another. We're supposed to, you know, strengthen one another. We're supposed to edify one another. And yet we're not encouraging. We're discouraging each other. We're not building each other up. We're tearing each other down. We're not bearing one another burdens. We're just sitting there and be like, you, you do you, boo. I'm going to stay over here and take care of me and mine. We're not doing that. So then... If we're not doing it, what's happening? It's like others are letting us down. They're continually letting us down. It's like I, I expected the body of Christ to be a certain way and they let me down. I expected pastor to preach a certain message and he let me down. I expected you guys to respond a particular way and you let me down. And it's this thing that Others just keep letting us down over and over and over again. And all of these expectations that we have on each other because of the way that we're supposed to behave, all of a sudden those expectations are not met. But it's not just that others are letting us down, we're letting others down. We're letting others down all the time. I mean, I, I see this when Genevieve and I did a lot of marriage ministry. One of the, the common phrases that would come out of a spouse's mouth, I just can't make them happy. Well, no, duh. <laughs> You're a human being. Of, of course you can't. But this is the thing. It's like we're trying to make our spouse happy, but we keep letting them down. We let them out down because it's like nothing in our life, nothing that we do for somebody else is is ever good enough. It's just, I, I can't do it. I keep trying. I think I'm doing what she wants me to do, what he wants me to do. I mean, I, I listened. I listened carefully to what they said, and I thought I did it the right way, but they're still upset with me. They're still disappointed with me. I just, I keep letting them down. Kids do this all the time. They, they understand this maybe more than we as adults do because we get jaded over the years. We've let so many people down. We just kind of take it as like, eh, I'm just going to let everybody down. It's, it's fine. Kids, this can be soul crushing for them because all of a sudden they're like, nothing I can do will ever make mom and dad happy. They're always mad at me. They're always angry with me. They start to wonder if we even love them. And they just realize, well, I'm just, I'm just letting everybody down. And then it's not just that others let us down and we let others down, but we often let ourselves down. We let ourselves down because we make these goals. We set these goals for our lives. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible more. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to actually exercise. You know what? I'm going to give more. I'm going to be more generous with, with my time, with my money, with just my attention. I'm going to do all these things. It's going to be great. And we don't last. We fizzle out. We fade out. And then we get so discouraged and upset with ourselves. And it's like, how, we can't even make ourselves happy. We have dreams, we have goals, we have aspirations. And the next thing we know is we blink and we're 40 years older. And it's like, where is the time gone? I guess I'm never going to be able to do that. And we just continually let ourselves down over and over and over again. It's like nothing we do 
is enough. Nothing that others do is enough because I'm always having to pick up after other people. I'm always having to clean their mess because they just can't do the simple things that I told them to do. And we get frustrated and we get angry and we're not happy. But yet we come to church and we try to put on a happy face because it's a Sunday happy face. We got to be happy here, right? Yeah. That's, that's what we got to do. We got to be happy. But we're not. Man, I'm just, I'm just so thankful that we have the word of God here. Because when I sit there and I think, I, I'm, I'm not really that happy a lot. And, and you guys, whether you want to admit it or not, really happy a lot. Thank God there are men and women in the Bible who weren't happy and that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took it upon himself one afternoon to walk up and to preach a message about true happiness, about this blessed state that they're really in. I find comfort in that because I'm like, I'm not out on my own. I'm not on my own. You're not on your own. And I know that God has the answer for it. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And what we're actually going to be doing through this series is we're going to be breaking down each of these Beatitudes. Each one of these blessed statements that Jesus talks about. We're going to break them down. We're going to look at them. Because in each one of these, that's where we start to realize how truly blessed we are. It's in these moments. We start off here. We'll just jump up to verse 1 just so you get the context. It says Jesus, seeing the multitudes, went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, the first thing he teaches them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know you could look at Luke's account of this, and, and it just says, blessed are the poor. And there are people that will sit there and say, well, Luke was pointing out that it's just poor, so it's talking about, you know, like our worldly possessions, that it's very specific about that. You know what? You might be right. But Matthew went ahead and he added in this little condition here, blessed are the poor in spirit, which that means that it's not that non-worldly possessions are exclusive to this poverty. He's opening it up and he's saying, we're not just talking about the finances that you have. We're not just talking about, you know, what you do or how much you have in the account or any of this stuff. No, we're talking about more than that. We're talking about a spiritual condition here. And I love that he's saying this. As, as I pointed out, that word blessed, the makarios, it's, it's from this root word, mock, which just indicates this long duration. A long duration. In our lives, in our world, happiness is like this elusive state. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. And we're always chasing after happiness. We're trying to do the next thing that will make us happy. We want that little bit of joy. But yet what Jesus is saying here is like, no, this isn't here and then gone. This is here for a long time. It's here. 
This is a long state that you have that is bringing in such happiness, such joy. You ought to be celebrating. You ought to be shouting. And who should be celebrating and who should be shouting? The poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are the ones that should be celebrating, should be rejoicing. They should be happy. (laughs) This just runs so contrary to what we're used to in this world. (laughs) This world, you can watch commercials, you can flip through Facebook and you see the ads and everything is telling you all the things that you need to have, that you need to buy, that you need to do in order to be happy. Because our models on these ads are obviously happy. Can you see their perfect smile and complexion? That's what you want, right? (laughs) It's like, that's what it's trying to tell us. Jesus is like, no, the poor, they're the ones that are really happy. They're the ones that are celebrating. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You think about that, poor in spirit. What would the opposite of poor in spirit be? I mean, a rich but not rich in spirit. Rich in what? Rich in possessions? Rich in the world? Or maybe rich in yourself? See, if if we want to find a definition for the poor in spirit, we really need to look at the opposite of it. Do you ever notice that, that sometimes to find a, a good definition of the opposite of something, you know, to find the definition, you look at its opposite. Like if you want to know, I don't know, what a submarine is, how, how do you, ex- well, it's, it's like this, this vehicle that it, it's only underwater. So what's it like? Oh, hey, you see that plane? Imagine that just under the water. It's kind of like that. You start to talk about the opposites. It's like we talk about opposites attract all the time in our world. Males and females. Like, hey, they're they're attracted to each other. And then all of a sudden they get married and they're irritated with each other because this person is nothing like me. (laughs) Yep. The, The poor in spirit... The opposite of that would be somebody who is proud in themselves. It would be somebody who's arrogant. Somebody who's haughty. Somebody who's boastful. Somebody who thinks more highly of themselves than they ought to think. Somebody who can sit there and say, look what I have done. Look how good I am. Look how remarkable I am. Do you see all the things that I got for myself? All the things that I've done for myself? You see all the accomplishments I have? Yeah, that's because I worked hard. That's because I did amazing things. (laughs) Jesus is like, the poor in spirit are the ones that are truly blessed. The poor in spirit are the ones that are truly blessed. Because, see, here's the thing. It doesn't matter doesn't matter how much you have setting in your bank account. 
It doesn't matter what kind of vehicle you drive. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. It doesn't matter what type of a house you live in or even if you don't live in a house. Each and every one of us, everybody is bankrupt without God. Everybody is bankrupt without God. Every single one of us. Everyone. Because what do you have? Like, if you were to walk up to me and be like, hey, guess what I got in my pocket? I got a thousand dollars. Whoop de doo. I know how fast that goes. You got nothing. You really got nothing. Oh, hey, I just bought a brand new car. Isn't it cool? Yeah, I, I mean, it's cool. At the same time, the difference between your brand new car and my old car is that yours is going to die a little slower death than mine's going to die. But they're both going to die a death. They're, bo- they're both gone. Oh, well, I just got a new house. Amazing. Don't brag about it. It's a place. It's a roof. It's a home. But really, I mean, oh, well, you, you got to see this. Seven bedrooms, six baths, because, you know, one of the bedrooms, they don't need to go potty at all. Got a three-car garage. Setting on there on a golf course. I even got like a mini golf court or golf cart garage there. I got everything. It's amazing. Yeah. You know what's going to happen when the next tornado comes by your house? Same thing if it comes by my house. <laughs> it's just, that's the thing. Everything in this world is temporary. It doesn't matter what we do. doesn't matter what we have. doesn't matter how much we own. None of that. Because without God, everybody is bankrupt. All of us are bankrupt. Somebody who is poor in spirit understands this, recognizes this. I'm nothing without God. I have nothing without God. I'll never be anything without God. I can't do anything without God. I am a nothing. That's somebody who is poor in spirit. And you know what? Sometimes that runs contrary to what we in the charismatic movements have. Because we're like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm born again. I'm the righteousness of God. What are those next three words? In Christ. In Christ Christ Jesus. That means without him, bankrupt, you're nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Poor in spirit is not about, oh, poor me. Poor in spirit says, in me there is nothing of value, but in him is all the value. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I just sat there and I, I got to thank God because I look through scripture and, and there are some times that I can hear a message like this and I can be like, so you're saying that if I want happiness, I have to think of myself as a nothing. <laughs> it's like... Actually, kind of. Kind of. But you're only partially there. You're only partially there if you think that that's the point of this message, that that I'm nothing. You see, to be poor in spirit, you've got to recognize that in my spirit there's nothing. That's the first thing. 
And and it's not me that's saying this. I'm not the only one that's ever said this. Jesus isn't even the only one that said this. We can go through Scripture and we can see David in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14. He says, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and you of your own have given you. He's like, "Who, Who am I? Who are my people? We're nothing. Solomon, wisest man ever to walk this planet. Solomon, he says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child and I don't even know how to go out or come in. The wisest man in the world, he's like, I know nothing. Do you catch that? His wisdom. He's not saying, oh, look at me. Look how smart I am. Look how wise I am. He's like, I'm nothing. You're the one that did this, God. You're the one who established this. Isaiah does the same thing. Isaiah 6, 5. Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's like, ah. Who am I? Who am I? Unclean lips. I can't say anything good. And if you've read the book of Isaiah, you know that Isaiah said a lot of things good. One of the great prophets. And he's like, I I can't. I can't. But I've seen you, God. Get into the New Testament and we see Peter in Luke chapter 5 verse 8. Peter falls down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. I'm a sinful man. And then the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, 8. Apostle Paul, Romans actually, yeah, 7, 18. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, catch this, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Nothing good dwells in my flesh. In this humanity, there is nothing good. Nothing. I can't do it. It's not in me. (laughs) It's not in me. And he even goes on. He's like, hey, I want to do the good things. The will to do the good thing is in me, but I don't know how to perform it. I don't know how to do what's good. Even though I want to do what's good. This is the Apostle Paul. And the list of these these great men and women throughout Scripture, these great men and women of faith, like my favorite chapter in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11, and I call it the Hall of Faith because you get all of these men and women, these great men and women who like toppled kingdoms and conquered things and received amazing rewards and blessings from God, and they all did it by faith, but yet when you study their lives, you see every single one of them was poor in spirit, which makes me realize that to be poor in spirit means that you're rich in faith. To be poor in spirit means that you're rich in faith. But our faith is in God. So when we're truly going to be, a, be poor in spirit, it's not just to recognize that, that I'm bankrupt without God. But here's your, your be attitude. It's to be aware that only God will get us there. 
Be aware that only God gets us there. You want happiness in your life? Be aware only God gets you there. You want joy in your life? Be aware only God gets you there. You want to get rid of the discouragement? You want to get rid of the frustration? You want to replace all of that with happiness? Be aware that God gets you there. Nothing you do will get you there. You have to be aware that only God gets us there. He's the only one that gets us there. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18 here. And in Luke chapter 18, Jesus teaches again this, this parable. It's a parable that, that reinforces this point that he's already taught them. But it's something that they weren't quite getting. Luke chapter 18, let's start verse uh, 9. It says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves as they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One man a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give all, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here's what Jesus says. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, this man went down to his ha house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit. See, the thing that we see out of this is Jesus is saying, if you understand that without me you are nothing, and you will rely on me and trust in me and let me show you the way, you're going to be justified. This is a sinner that found salvation. Justified. Just as if he had done nothing wrong. The Pharisee doing all of these good things, but they weren't the God thing. Because the Pharisee says, I pray. I fast i give the tax collector's like have mercy on me i'm a sinner have mercy on me he's saying god don't give me what i deserve because i don't deserve anything See, a lot of our frustration and our unhappiness comes from things that we think we don't deserve. We often say it's not fair. It's not fair that I do all of the work in the marriage. It's not fair that I have to clean the house and my kids do absolutely nothing. It's not fair that I'm at work, I work twice as hard as everybody else, and yet I still make less than them. It's not fair that I sat there and, and I work myself to the bone, but I just can't seem to even make ends meet. It's not fair. We've covered this in sermons in past, 
the only thing that would be fair is for all of us to go to hell. Because that's the only thing that we deserve. And if we understand that, if we understand that I am deserving of hell, I am deserving of punishment, and then we realize that God is not giving us what we deserve, but he's giving us the things that we don't deserve. He's giving us eternal life. He's giving us a boldness to proclaim his word as his messengers. He's giving us gifts. He's giving us things that we can use to further his kingdom, to advance our life. And now he's sitting here on this Sermon on the Mountain. He's like, I'm going to make you so happy you don't even realize there should be a party going on inside you because you know you're nothing. You know that I'm everything. And that means the kingdom of heaven is yours. And the thing about the kingdom of heaven is it's not just about the ever after. It's about the here and now. And if we understand that, we no longer get discouraged. If we are aware that only God gets us there, we stop being disappointed by others. We stop disappointing others. We stop disappointing ourselves. Because all of a sudden, our expectations come to a place where we sit there and we understand who we are and who He is and what He's called us to do. The question that we should be asking ourselves now in light of this is, is to look at it and say, what am I going to do with this? What are you going to do with this? The next time that you, you feel that frustration, what are you going to do? Are you going to dwell on it? Are you going to complain and moan and grumble about it? I mean, if we're honest, you probably are. But what should you be doing about it? See, here's what I would challenge you to do. The next time somebody disappoints you, think about how you have disappointed God. And then, don't dwell on that. Don't stay in that moment because that moment will not bring the blessing. Acknowledge, I'm poor in spirit. But be quick to be aware that only God gets us to true happiness. And immediately, you know what? My husband let me down. But thank God Jesus never has. Thank God he never will. When we're kids, we're like, man, mom and dad are yelling at me again, and I, I don't know what to do. Well, thank God my heavenly father is not yelling at me, but he's calling me in for an embrace. He's saying, come here, child, I love you. The next time one of our coworkers wants to throw all of their workload on us, and we feel just so burdened by that, man, be quick to realize that we're nothing without Jesus. But because we have him, he said, hey, take my burden on you and let me take yours. Be thankful that he's there to pick us up when we're feeling down. Be thankful. Be aware. Be blessed. Because blessed are those Blessed are the poor in spirit. And somebody who is poor in spirit is rich in faith. Rich in faith in our God. You've done it before. You'll do it again. You never fail me. When happiness seems elusive, be aware that only God gets you there. He's the only one that brings us into that happiness. Can you imagine what it would look like 
Imagine this. We talk about this oftentimes in charismatic circles. We talk about these generational curses. I come from a Dutch family. Seems like every week I'm talking about how we tend to be stubborn. You know where stubbornness comes from? I didn't get my way. (laughs) Well, guess what? Newsflash, Joshua. You're not going to get your way because your way is horrible. Your way is wicked. You need the way, not your way. We need Jesus. All of a sudden, when I start to realize that, can you imagine what our families would look like? What those generations would look like if starting with us, we stopped grumbling, we stopped complaining and making excuses for all of the things that are unfair and instead quickly pivoted And brought an awareness to those around us that God is the source of true happiness and he's the one that brings us into it. Can you imagine what would happen when your friends and your neighbors, they experience devastation and loss. They see you experience devastation and loss and they look at you and they're like, you're not supposed to be happy right now. You're not supposed to have a smile on your face. How can you be like this? Imagine what it would look like when all of a sudden our attitudes start to influence others because they see how we behave. They see how we act. They see that no matter what we're going through, we're aware that God gets us where we need to be. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this week. And it's going to happen quickly. I know it's going to happen. With a message like this, it always happens quickly. It always happens where discouragement, where frustration is going to set in quickly beyond this. You preach about happiness, devil wants to throw in some distractions and some pain as soon as possible. So here's my challenge for you. The next moment that you recognize I'm not feeling happy right now. I'm frustrated, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm discouraged. The next moment that you feel that start to set in, catch yourself quickly. Think about your true human condition and then think about all of the blessings that we have because of Jesus. Be aware of what God has done for you, what God has done in you, what God has done through you. Be very aware of that. See, when we're aware that God gets us there, we come into this place of being the poor in spirit, rich in faith, and knowing that the kingdom of heaven doesn't just await us in the future, but that kingdom of heaven is right here right now, and it's inside us. Let's make the life change. Let's fix these attitudes. And let's be aware that God's the one that gets us there. Let's pray.